0: Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that we can be together. Thank you for this opportunity. Let this word get inside of us. Let us leave here doing it. Let us be people that are transformed and changed by the power of God. Every moment in every day, open our hearts, Lord, today to hear the word and to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're making a quick mic switch. There you go. How about that? How about them taters? Well, you know what? We live in a culture of complaint. If you're listening to media, or as Sean said, or if you're on social media, it seems that everybody is complaining about something. If we don't stop listening to the complainers, we will find ourselves soon complaining too. And I believe that as believers, we should be those that have a different message, we should cast a different shadow. We should be like Peter, that has an aura around us, that whenever we're in people's presence, they sense something that's completely different. And from that, I believe that we should and can create a different culture. Have you ever noticed how we process change in our lives? Whenever we look at ourselves or we do our self-evaluations, we always process change from bad to good. Do you realize that? I got caught in the trap where a few years back I caught myself, and anytime I was faced with an opportunity or a project, I would always first analyze it as how it couldn't work. And I was missing, I was talking myself out of so many opportunities and so many great things that God was bringing into my life because I was processing change that way, from bad to good. We focus on the bad things that we want to change, and then what happens is we ignore all of the good things that are already in our life. We've trained our heart and our eyes to focus on the bad things. And that's a huge trap. Our lives become focused only on the bad things that we want to change. So today, I want to present to you a challenge. I believe it's a radical transformation in our thinking. I call it a reset. A reset. My text today is found in Philemon chapter 1. Verse 6, Philemon, a little book back there in the epistles. You know, I think we need to change our culture and all of us need to go back to carrying Bibles. I went to the bookstore the other day, tried to find a Bible. I couldn't find one that I liked. But I think we, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start preaching out of a Bible. I'm going to carry a Bible around. I'm going to get that Jimmy Swagger thing where it's all hanging open with a little marker hanging out. Some of y'all have to look him up on YouTube. <laughs> Philemon 1.6, it says this, out of the King James Version, King Jimmy, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. Let me read it again. "...that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus." This verse talks to us about our faith, and more importantly, about our faith becoming effective. And I'm interested in that. Because you see, faith will only bring good things into your life. And so if you want your life to be full of good things... It's going to come because you have faith and because you have faith that is effectual. The reason our faith needs to be effectual is that faith pleases God. Hebrews eleven six. 6, for without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I want to be pleasing God. And faith is the commodity of exchange in heaven. If you're going to do business with God, you're going to do business with God on the basis of your faith. We have all kinds of needs in our life. We have all kinds of wants in our life, and they go unanswered and unmet until we marry those things with a promise of God, place our faith in God's Word wholeheartedly, and then God springs into action because we have the commodity of exchange that it takes to do business with God. Now, a few years back, Sherry and I, we had this band that we traveled in with the band called The White Pearl. Y'all remember the white pearl? We had t-shirts made up everything. The white pearl was legendary as a white trash treasure. You drive into Walmart, you park in a parking lot, every car within 100 yards would clear out. <laughs> it was great. One time we were on the East Coast and we started back towards Kansas City and the white pearl just kept going slower and slower. By the time we got to St. Louis, 45 was as fast as it would go, and I limped it home and took it to the Dodge dealership, and they said, you need a new catalytic converter. It's going to cost $1,200. I thought, man, the pearl ain't worth (laughs) $1,200. So I talked to my neighbor, and he said, no, man, he says, don't take it there. Take it down over the hill in Riverside, Missouri to Ray's muffler. And and he said, and if you take Ray a plate of food, the price will be cheaper. So I went to see Ray, and he said, your catalytic converter's clogged. It'll cost $300 cash money. See, Ray didn't want no checks. He didn't want no credit cards. If you're going to do business with Ray, it was on cash money only. And if you're going to do business with God, it is on faith alone. So back to our text. If we're focused on every good thing that's in us, what would we be talking about right now? (coughs) For some of us, we would be like, I got nothing. Because we've trained our heart and we've trained our eyes to only see what's wrong and to focus on what's wrong. And to that, I would say your judgment is wrong. See, if you can't find good things in you, well, let's put it this way. Self-judgment may be the worst kind of judgment, or at least it is the most inaccurate. You see, finding good in yourself is a a sign of maturity. (coughs) It is a sign of maturity. Finding and seeing good in yourself is the beginning of a happy life. You see, God sees the good in you. In fact, he sees great value in you. Finding and seeing good in other people is actually the spirit of a prophet. You see, I believe that we live in this culture of complaint, and people are starving. They are hungry for someone. The last time I was here, I preached a message called Good Eyes. Do y'all remember that? Good eyes. We need good eyes. We live in this culture of complaint that is hurting and longing for somebody that can see good in them. And speak good to them. It's unbelievable. I mean, you want to see somebody light up. You find a characteristic in their life. And then you begin to exhort that. And then you begin to edify that. And then you begin to show them comfort in that. And you know what happens? Man, they just light up because everybody wants somebody to find good in them. (coughs) Sorry, I got a little residual cough today. The point of this is don't discount in you what God sees, thank you, as highly valuable. We can't discount what God sees in us as highly valuable. Our job is to agree with that. And see, I know as a believer, I spent decades of hyper-critical self-condemnation. And I could never see anything good in myself because I thought God was never satisfied. That he had this big list of rules that I had to keep (coughs) that would cause me to be acceptable in his sight. And I, I didn't know that Jesus had already fulfilled all those laws and regulations on my behalf. And that when I put my faith in Jesus, that all of that inheritance, all of those things that he obtained, all of a sudden were mine. You see, discounting what God sees as valuable is a trap and it can create a culture of lack in our life. A culture of lack is when we never see all of the benefits that we presently have, all of the good things that are ours right now. A sense of lack, it is the root of all temptation. It is the root of all unbelief and it's something that we must avoid. Because the Bible says, you know, in Colossians 2.10, which is a verse that just freaks me out. That's a hippie term in case you didn't realize. It just freaks me out because it says, you are complete in him. Now that just jacks with some religion right there. You see, our life in Christ is the most lavish gift that has ever been given to us. Let me say that again. Our life in Jesus is the most lavish gift that we could ever receive in our life. Back to our text. one 1.6 That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you. Our faith doesn't become effectual until we begin to acknowledge the good things that are in us. Acknowledge means to accept or admit the existence of truth. We need to be those that are discovering in the Word of God the reality of our identity in Jesus. Number two definition of acknowledge, it means to Recognize the fact or importance or quality. We need to recognize God's gift within us. Number three, it means to show that one has noticed. And the the definition goes on to say that we show one has noticed to nod. Right? Right? We're acknowledging, we're nodding, to wave, and to raise one's hat, or to tip your hat. We are to be acknowledging all of the good things in Christ in our life right now. Right now, today. We're to live this life where we're breathing in. This good thing that God has given us, we're living inside of us. It's not something that's happening in our future. It's not something that happened in our past. It's something that's happening breath by breath, heartbeat by heartbeat, moment by moment. The good things of God are just permeating throughout your body as your faith in Jesus brings this lavish gift into our life. You see, God is looking for a response from us by acknowledging his good work in us. We do this by actively meditating, pondering, considering, believing, and acknowledging all of the good things that are in us right now. You see, I know that for myself, And so many other believers, they live in a past tense or a future tense. We're going to receive all this when we die. But that's not what Jesus came to give us. He came to give us life and that more abundantly. When we die, it's a continuance of the promises that we have obtained by what Jesus did for us and our faith in that. So many people forget to experience the present tense reality of the good things that Jesus has done in us. So right now, in the present, it's time to quit looking back. It's time to stop looking forward. And it's time to acknowledge the good things that are in us right now. Right now. Why? Because the most important part of your story is happening right now. I shouldn't shout that, but I feel like I can't. The most important part of our stories are happening right now. Everybody say right now. now. We must speak to those things that are good in our life right now. And that is the spirit of a prophet. Prophets aren't those that go around in the New Testament pronouncing doom and gloom. The rules for prophecy in the New Testament are based on three things edification, exhortation, and comfort. And we mean to be those people that are speaking to ourselves, edifying ourselves, exhorting the good things in our life, and bringing comfort to our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit is all about. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I'm going to send a comforter to you. His very first descriptive word of nature is that he's going to comfort us. But if we won't acknowledge the reality of the good things in our life right now, we'll never be able to experience those things because we're acknowledging unbelief more than belief. You see, all of the good things that are in you began when you were born again. When you were born again, all this stuff happened that's so incredible. When we, were, when we just by faith believed in Jesus... And if you're going to live in the past, then live in the moment that you were born again. And acknowledge, start to acknowledge all of those good things. So many miraculous things happened in you when you made Jesus Lord of your life. Many believers never discover what's already in them because they believe that they have to obtain all of these good things by jumping through some kind of religious rules and hoops and all of this stuff. When Jesus fulfilled every promise, he fulfilled every law, he fulfilled every requirement and gave it to us as a gift. You see, just the word salvation, it means sozo. That's the Greek word for it. And it has nine different meanings. Just that word. When we we step into this new life of salvation, these nine things already happen in our life. And they're ours. They're not something we're going to obtain. They're something that we have obtained by being born again. Here they are. Healed. Saved. Delivered. Blessed. Blessed. Prospered, protected, set apart, made whole, and rescued from judgment. <coughs> when you were born again, you became a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. That, that, that literally means a species that did not previously exist. Jesus didn't come to make us better. He came to make us over. He did. And when we're born again, you know, Sherry and I, when we were, we were born again during our second wedding ceremony, and it wasn't like white lace and tuxedos. It was flannel shirts and holy blue jeans, you know. It was very impromptu, but... The pastor, after we were born again, after we prayed to receive Jesus, he stood us up, he had his face each other, and he said, you all see each other? You don't have a past. You don't have a past. And he quoted 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, and old things have passed away, and all things have become new. We were able to forget We were able, when we were forgiven, to cut loose the past and embrace the present. Then we had to quit running back to the pain of our past and dragging it forward in our future. We created this thing in our home called the bloodline. We gave it a date, December 19th, 1976. That's the day we, we received Jesus 42 years ago. And we created the bloodline in our life that said we can't go back there to those past emotions. We can't go back there to those past hurts and pains. We can't drag those things into our living room right now and begin to use them as weapons against each other. Because we have a new nature. We have a new heart. We have a new spirit. We have a new DNA and genetic. We're no longer connected to the genetic of our parents, but we're connected to the genetic of our Heavenly Father, and we have his name in our life. (laughs) Salvation is so much more than forgiveness, but most believers don't realize it and realize all that they presently have in Christ. Now, if you haven't experienced the love that God has for you in Jesus, I want to give you a moment to do that. It's the pinnacle, the hallmark of of, of, of experience for mankind in life. It is the greatest experience a human being can ever experience. You see, as we thwarted the plan of God, messed up planet Earth, God God devised a plan. Like only God could devise a plan. His plan wasn't, I'm going to punish man. I'm going to destroy man. I'm going to condemn man. I'm going to judge man. God comes up with this plan that's just so unbelievable and so good. It's just remarkable. I mean, how in the world could you ever think of something like this? Here's his plan. I'm going to love them. It's like, wow, where did that come from? I'm going to love them. You see, God's not looking to punish us because that's what the cross was all about. Jesus hung on that cross, became sin for us, and there was punished for sin, for all sin, for all men, once and for all. But because this is based on love, it requires a choice, and that's your choice. And if you haven't experienced the love that God has for you, then today's your day to experience it. How does it happen? It happens by faith in your heart. Not in your mind. Not, you can't figure it all out. It's too good to figure out. But it happens with faith in your heart. And by you acknowledging that Jesus has a good thing for you. So could we do this out of respect for one another and reverence for God? Could we just bow our heads and close our eyes? And if you're here today and you've never received the love that God has for you, then by question to you would be why not? And today is your opportunity to do that. If you're here today and you say, Jimmy, you know what? I'm just not sure if I've received that. I haven't. I'm not sure I've experienced God's love. You know, maybe you were baptized or sprinkled or confirmed or whatever as a child, but you never really just experienced his love. Then today's your day to do that too. I've asked for two kinds of people to respond today. If you've never experienced the love that God has for you, are you just not sure about that experience? It's the greatest opportunity that a human being could ever experience. So if you're here today, right now, would you just lift your hand? And we're going to pray together, and we're going to believe for you to experience that love. If you raise your hand, just leave it up long enough that I can see it. <clears throat> All right. All hearts content? No? Oh, thank you. There's a, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Anyone else? All right, then let's all pray together. You lifted your hand. Let's pray out loud. All the whole church praying. Say, Jesus, I want to experience your love. I want to be forgiven. I come to you, and I turn to you, and I turn away from my sin, and I give my life to you. I want to be a new creature. I want to have a new nature. I want to be a new person. Give me power to follow you all the days of my life. Let me pray for these that raise their hands. Father, right now, Lord, sear this into their minds. Lord, let it always be a belief of their heart that everything that they do from this moment forward, step by step, they would desire you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give these folks a hand. What a great thing. All right, that was my first altar call. Here comes the second. Typically, when we do an altar call as believers, it's about us bringing our weakness and our failures and those bad things to God. And I'm all for that. You know, if we're voting, I'm for it. But in the context of this service today, I'd just like an appeal to say this. How about today we just take a moment and begin to acknowledge to God all of the good things that are in our life? Can we do that? And I mean verbally. I mean, you know, Sean said we should be shouting. If y'all want to shout, that's fine. But it's got to be more than just silent prayer. I mean, I'm, I'm going to lead and I'm going to shout. But that's, that's my nature. That's who I am. But we need to be acknowledging those things. We need to start that habit right now. When we go home, that we stop finding fault with our spouses, fault with our children. You know, those things are all there and they have to be dealt with. We're not ignoring them, but we're simply choosing to focus and to spend more time acknowledging the good things that are in our life than those things that are bad. You talk about reshaping your life and changing your world. This will radically transform every step that you take, every person that you meet, every relationship that you build. Your life will be so much better and fresher. Because we do that. So, I could ask you to come forward, but I don't think that's appropriate at this time. But would you stand with me? Thank you, Kevin, for giving us some music in the background, setting the mood. So let's just lift up our hands. Let's just raise our eyes. And right now I'm going to ask you to do something transformative in church. I want you to smile. I just want you to smile, bare your teeth and smile. Take a big old deep breath. And breathe in the goodness of God. You breathe it in, exhale it out. It's changing the atmosphere around you. And then just open your mouth and begin to acknowledge to God some of the good things that are in your life right now. Say, "Father, thank you for the air that I breathe." Thank you for the life in my body. Thank you for no pain in my body, no sickness in my body, no disease in my life. Thank you for your protection over me and my family. Thank you for your radical love for me and my children and my grandchildren. Thank you, God, for your provision in my life and in my home. Thank you, Lord, that I have a place to sleep that I have food to eat, that I have every good thing that Jesus promised that I could have right now. Thank you, God, that I get to experience this radical, transforming life that saved me from death, that saved me from hell, that saved me from sin, that saved me from myself. Thank you, Father, for all of the good things that are ours in Christ. Lord, you're so wonderful, and you're so good. You're so good. You're good always. You're always good. Thank you, God, that as we see your goodness, we repent, we change our minds, Lord, help us to see the good things In our life, in our world, in our jobs, in our careers, at our schools, in our homes, in our family. And let them transform us. Thank you so much. We have so many things to be thankful for. So many things to be grateful for. So many things to be acknowledging good things in our life. How about we give the Lord a hand right now?